New moon. New if the moon if wait. <laughs> oh no, I thought it was fucked up. The recording it's not. It's not. It's not. It's fine. Oh fuck. <laughs> I'm just I'm recording on two tracks. It's real weird. New moon if how how does this bit work? If you, you give a rule about the moon. <laughs> but like I really want to see if but Bill Maher is such a stoner, he should fuck up more in his new rules. He should be like new r- fuck. Uh, let's start again. There's like, a there's a comedy bang bang segment, which is actually how I found out about new rules. Where there's a guy who does new no nos, and then like <laughs> yeah, it's does Paul, not Paul Rust. Yeah, he doesn't do it correctly. He's like new no nos. If you're at a stoplight, you gotta wait till it's green. <laughs> 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 new no nos. Stoplights mean stop. <laughs> you know, Bill I can't Moore. relate to that as a New Yorker. Yeah, Bill Maher has to fuck up constantly. He just he edits it to make himself look smart. Yeah, you know, he's like a well, isn't it live? Is it? It's, to his it's in front of a live studio audience. I mean, it is real time. All right. that's, so that's why people get slimed on that show. That's real slime. Oh, that's why it's called real time? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you ever have that happen to you where you're like, oh, that's why they're called walkie-talkies. Like 30 years into your life. Yeah. Has this happened to you? <laughs> I'm going to look up Bill Maher uh, outtakes. Okay. Have to exist. Um, I'm gonna do my new moon <laughs> if we're still recording. Okay. New moon when it's harvest season. Yeah, the moon's red. <laughs> new moon. New moon. Harvest moon. Make a movie out of that game. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how you do it, Jake. Get them. Okay. Hey, this is a new thing we Go can do with school. these headphones. I'm gonna pause real quick. All right. This is Bill Maher bloopers coming up. Tree. 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 Yellow tie, yellow ribbon, red yellow tree. Oh shit! Eric Estrada just punched Bill Maher in the face. Sorry, you couldn't ah. see that. New moon. Okay, that was uh, a video of uh, Eric Estrada and Bill Maher on Jerry Springer, and they were like playing Pictionary. And Eric Estrada, when he got it, he goes, "It's a tree." He like thrusts his fists up in the air, like, "I did it!" And uh, fucking Bill Maher standing behind him, he got punched in the face. Oh. <laughs> Savage. That was pretty cool. Uh, did you see him get owned last week by uh, Representative Katie Porter? Oh, here we go. This, this Eric Estrada? Uh, no, <laughs> no, the, the maybe B, by the extension. Uh, yeah, he was. He had her on, and she's actually really funny. She was cracking jokes uh, throughout the whole thing. And then towards the end, he's talking about abortion, and he's saying like, "I've always been squishy on this because." He, and he says that like after his older sister was born, the doctor was like, "All right, this is no more kids. You can't do this." If you have another son, he's gonna be a piece of shit late night host. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you now. Yeah. And Katie Porter, she stepped in and is like, "Well, you know, your mother made her choice, and she had that opportunity to make the choice, and we are living with the consequences of that choice." <laughs> and every and it crushed. Yeah. Uh, everybody in the studio was laughing except for Bill Maher, the who whole just crowd like crowd wanted Bill Maher to get aborted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can't, but it's like they're his fans. They just, yeah. you know, even if fans will like laugh at yeah, roasts yeah. of the people they like, but he cannot take a joke unless no. it's about how many women he's fucked or right. how much weed he smokes. He never is self deprecating at all. Yeah, that is like a thing. Those about aren't self-deprecating things at all. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just cool things. Yeah. <laughs> you should have been aborted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> total uh, fun deprecating rib there. Uh, 
that's the thing about like smug, fucking smarmy, like truth tellery comics like that. Is that like they have no sense of humor about themselves? Yeah. But they'll swear up and down. They're like, "Yo, anything's funny, dude. Anything's right. a joke." Right. Except for my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's one thing that's not a joke, and it's my seventh grade experience. <laughs> and the only explanation for people not laughing at a joke is you're too much of a snowflake. You're too sensitive. You know, you can't handle my my uh, yeah. telling it like it is. Right. Um, so I've been beefing with those guys a lot. Uh, that type of uh, comic and truth tellers. Something occurred You've to me. You've been beefing with truth tellers. Fucking Legion of Skanks and all that shit. Their, <laughs> I mean, their whole fucking that thing is, is like, I'm not political, yeah. and yet I believe in free speech, but yeah. I'm not political. <laughs> all that shit at the same time. That's the appropriate place for Bill Maher. Like it, he should be by all <laughs> rights one of demoted from HBO to Legion of Skanks. <laughs> <laughs> he's like all, he's like annoyed. He's at the creek and he's like, new rule, <laughs> don't blow jewel smoke in my face. <laughs> <laughs> new rule, don't. Run the light downstairs. But I've been thinking about those guys a lot because, like, you know, all this shit is going on. Uh, and it, something occurred to me, uh, which is that, the, like, all of this has made our, our, like, our unofficial mascot of the show random, like, way less annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's way more funny and like playful about the sort of weird nemesis thing he has going on with me playful in the way that he's a cartoon bat person yeah (laughs) is that though because he doesn't command a legion of skanks he's he's one guy yeah he's just forming his legion now that's why you like him now he doesn't have fans or anything he's just one fucking weird guy right but if he did then you know look out let's face it Let's start the show. It's the random episode. <laughs> yeah, let's fucking face Lock them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Probably heard us talk about uh, show mascot Random, the angel from hell. I believe. Wait, I think it's Random. Random. It is Random. He's, he's dominant. <laughs> yeah. And you've thought. I don't M. know who that is. It's not a celebrity. Well, we'd like to talk about that for a minute. We've been referring to this guy over the course of the podcast, and I th- think we never properly introduced him. So to give everyone like a fucking. Uh, to catch you up, to give you a primer on our friend Random, we should just kind of go through his history and body of work. First thing we got to do is play the oh, rap video. yeah. You yeah. can't explain him without the rap video. Random is an artist <laughs> in the New York City community who uh, we know because of shared open mic groups on Facebook mm. uh, where he harasses women in public. And then posts a video of him doing that uh, at a stand-up show or at an open mic. He'll do a set about how 
uh, these bitches are bitches, and then someone will go, hey, and then he will go off on them, and that's the video, and then he'll add applause in later. But yeah. before that, oh, much more important. It's random. <laughs> the angel from hell. <laughs> <laughs> Conscious awareness, I'm a disaster, so cashmere. Dark philosophical dystopian comedy actor. Weird loner, reject outcast, now uh, as a rapper. Yeah. Now we can't play over 20 seconds, but we will owe random money. <laughs> which is a terrible situation I do not want to get into. <laughs> he uses the bones money from the, the fucking Johnny Cash It's okay. We'll just give him bones. The worms also have bones for money. <laughs> That's so fucking random. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta wait till it gets to the chorus. <laughs> Yo, I hope this is the undoing of this show. <laughs> I hope this brings the whole yeah. thing down. <laughs> it's random. You can't see, but everyone in this room is voguing right now. <laughs> Please. Run, don't walk to your closest computer and look up this. this Go to your local Tower Records and buy. <laughs> the song is called the most recent random. God evil, uh, Geo Devil. Like it's yeah, one it's word. It's like if God was God slash Devil, and he's evil. I want to give this guy his, his proper respects because you know, but like up until this, I kind of had this. I have like a kind of a policy with like weirdo like internet freaks that hate me, where like. All they want to do is come on this show and debate me, and I'm like, no, I will. I'm like not gonna like promote what you're doing at all. It's kind right. of just a non-aggression thing or whatever. But I don't know, random. Like, I, I'll play his music on the show. It's fucking. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of harmless. Do you have any music from random? That was it. That was I mean, not music. Uh, messages from random. Yeah, yeah. That really stand out. I should read some random because mail. random, in addition to just harassing all of the women in New York City at once, also uh, uh, is it Jake's arch nemesis. He's a weird infatuation with Jake and has done some of his open mic sets that he's put on YouTube. He talks in depth about Jake. And around, it's, again, yeah. not a joke. It's not a he joke. He doesn't do jokes. Uh, <laughs> he just he does has, epic takedowns. He, well, yeah, but then he ends the set being like, I kind of love the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think Six to eight months ago, we were all convinced Random was going to kill everyone we know. Yeah. So the thing about Random, what the fuck is going on with my Instagram? The thing about Random is that the reason he's obsessed with me is because... A year ago, when I got busted by Homeland Security and fucking, you know, the little story went viral and shit, this guy who also is like a comedian that's into politics on some level, he saw the story and he went, oh my God, I've also been visited by the authorities. And I think he was visited by the FBI because like they mm -hmm. thought he was a fucking school shooter or something. And so... Son, have you ever been random? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been completely twisted, my dude? <laughs> they came and talked to him and uh, and then he... I don't know. I fucking haven't even listened to like these clips he keeps sending me, but that, that seems to be the basic story. But I th what, his super villain origin here is that he was like we're gonna be best friends and then he looked me up and he listened to like this show and shit and he was like no he's a marxist <laughs> and i'm a libertarian and so we're like you know 
Batman and the Joker to each other. Yeah, or dude, something. you turned against random. It, <laughs> it, it sucks that you're Batman and the Joker because there's no way you're random and you're thinking like I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole identity is the Joker. <laughs> yeah, but he is Batman because Batman is a fucking cop. Yeah, fucking uh, cop. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he's sort of and like the Joker. Pre- I mean, yeah, yeah. Batman is not- also pursued by the cops, <laughs> right? But he's like a total nihilist. Like he, we can all agree this is a perfect analogy. I guess his whole thing is it's there's no good or evil. It's yeah, random. It's ra- <laughs> so he is kind of. I don't think he does any more clear about that. He does think that like women are uh, egoistic. I think like he has this weird philosophy that he's baked. He's up. blackpilled. Yeah, he's MGTOW. It's not right. It's not it's him. MGTOW. It's a, it's not original, right? This is no. Like it's men ongoing. going their own way. It's yeah. a specific uh, misogynist. Okay, uh, it's not internet good thing. or evil. It's um a very dangerous line of thinking usually, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of why I thought he was going to kill us. But uh, yeah. it's not too late. It hasn't happened yet. I, so now we're doing an episode yeah, on it. It won't be the whole episode. <laughs> I took a picture of some graffiti I saw the other day. It says vultures cir- circling the dead, picking up every last crumb. Some like super dramatic graffiti. That's random. And uh, I just thought it was funny because it was like mm-hmm. it was dramatic and shit. Mm-hmm. And then what the? Why the fuck is Instagram broken? Um, oh. It's just weird how like not that long ago, random was like every. Like suburban kid was like me and my friends are literally the most random people ever. Yeah. Like that was yeah. a, it would be tossed around quite a bit, and somehow it was morphed into this this just disgusting. It's like t- tween humor, yeah. you know. I'm the penguin of doom, like that early <laughs> internet shit. I seriously fucking Instagram. Dude, when I do character creation on Fallout, I said it all to to orc status. Me and my friends all think we're orcs. We're fu- we're fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> we go ghost ride the whip on a roundabout at the end of our street, and then Greg falls off the car, dude. <laughs> Can anyone look him up on Instagram? I, this has never my happened. Internet Instagram is, is just... I'm not even going through the fucking Wi-Fi. Was Don't always, worry, why is homies. everything broken? God Don't worry, I got you. He's fucking broken around. He's here. hacked. He's hacked our mainframe. God, he's fucking... He's a genius. He's in our goddamn phone. <laughs> he's so goddamn good. Yeah. You know what, random? I... Important question. I may hate is you, his but... name on Instagram random? <laughs> I think it's random show the end. Yeah. So the okay. his name is like this weird portmanteau of like a bunch of different things. One of them being his nihilistic philosophy, but the other one is that he is apparently like a male sex worker who's like he dominates like rich women or whatever. He always posts like weird Instagram photos of all the dildos and shit he has and he's just like, "Yep, another day in the grind" or whatever. And uh there's been some speculation as to whether that's real or whether he's yeah. the worker or the customer. There's well, there's uh, there's a video he did where I guess he's doing his material while a woman is writing him, right. as they say. You don't Which see her usually face you just save that. Her. That's a submission tape for late night. <laughs> we all have one of those, but we don't post it. That's Drew Michaels' next special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the girl from the fucking. My dad is gay. Nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, random. The random show at the end. His bio is aspire success, which is life's predetermined illusionary egocentric popularity contest of the acceptance just to survive. That's a joke, smiley face. No fucking <laughs> idea what that meant. <laughs> now, some uh, behind the scenes stuff. That is not a joke. 
<laughs> We've looked into it. I don't, you don't know where the setup ends and the punchline begins. There's structural issues with that. He also he looks like a scarecrow. <laughs> yeah. You know? But he's just like, yeah. He looks kind of like me, but a scarecrow. He's like a Hot Topic shirt. He's evil Anders. Oh, my God. Yeah. And him. <laughs> Randers. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I think, I think you have a, a better face features than random <laughs> random has a very prominent brow he's frowning all the time cause yeah because because it's all just a he joke just sees the abyss all right random show the end humans can only see from their level of perception so what you see me as is a reflection of only what you can comprehend my goal hilariously enough is to open that perception so that you can have the awareness of perspective if that offends you it's because i've made you think i think he's is he rapping in a time where everyone just wants to mindlessly follow ideologies that suit their ego if you get it it's because it's you ideology. are you are it's ideology you are in, a love in an atmosphere addicted to fear and then there's just like 30 hashtags like misanthropic dude it's a joke <laughs> don't you get it yeah. it's a joke here is my, here is my idea it's um uh you get pulled over you're driving somewhere with uh your significant other your girlfriend or whatever you're you know you're going out to have a good night at blockbuster video you're gonna pick up <laughs> one of your favorite videos at the local blockbuster and uh you're pulled over and you're waiting and you're you know your girlfriend's driving who pulls up to the car it's Officer Random. <laughs> oh, God. That's probably what's going to happen. He's going to become a cop. <laughs> He's going to become a lawyer. I'm like, just trying to imagine like the speech you get from like, ma'am, are you a lime bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's very direct uh, in the videos, more than in the spoken word stuff. He makes you blow into a breathalyzer, and then he like shows it back to you, and it's just got like a question mark on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's no such thing as drunk or sober. <laughs> you blow into a question mark, and fire comes out the other end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he fucking... I just lost my train of thought. I don't know. It's fucking random, dude. Uh, bu- 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 fucking phone's broken. I feel like we gotta get some some good on random. Um, he has this thing with me, which is also like something that's really funny about comedy beefs or whatever. Which is that like he hates me, but every time he insults me, he'll be like, "You may be funny." Which is <laughs> 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 like this weird honor among thieves shit that like super comedy dorks have, where they like. They won't revert to calling you bad at comedy. Some people will. I mean, some people, you know, obviously, you know, comedy subjective or whatever. But yeah, there's does, no rule you have to call them funny. But he does this thing where he's like, I fucking hate you because I love you so much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking weird. Dude, you're going to live forever in Random's basement. Yeah, dude. I feel uh. weird because, like, this guy might, he seems like he might go off. On King. Him. <laughs> it seems like he might do something bad at some point. I'm I mean, also, I mean, if that happens, we'll have a great record of the yeah. background on this podcast thing, now. <laughs> I don't believe in snitching to anybody, but if Homeland, Homeland Security is already listening to this, yeah. we are kind of in, inadvertently yeah. giving them a tip of hey, give random someone who actually, yeah, yeah, who actually Check is a threat out. to society. Random, you're listening to this. Get help, dude. Go to the doctor. Yes. Self care. You're crazy. You're a crazy person. <laughs> you could probably, you know, take the edge off of that crazy a little bit and then try just... cr- try kratom. Self care, yoga. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, let's keep them away from <laughs> an individual yoga class. Find a one-on-one session to do. Oh, it's yeah. It's warrior pose. <laughs> <laughs> the stance from hell. The <laughs> <laughs> stance from hell. <laughs> he does that after everyone. He's the only guy at the class. And they're just like, see, it's always like this. What if, what, if, what if this works? And then he gets like really into the Bhagavad Gita and shit, and we make him even worse. No, he, he just, just becomes, becomes more powerful. Obnoxious ponytail dude. <laughs> yeah. He brought his powers farther He's, than they ever could have gone. He could just float now. He's like, <laughs> 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 He's like you've only made me more powerful. <laughs> He's flying around, chasing us and shit. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Yeah, I am. I, I'm worried that we'll turn him into a Bernie bro. We like we don't need that. That would <laughs> actually be worse. Yeah, that, would, that be, um, would be such a setback for I the cause. I feel like if he really wants to get us in the way that no one's expecting, it's fully become a huge pa damn fan, <laughs> yeah. and then just talk to as many people as possible. Oh, <laughs> he is, right. man. I think he listens to this fucking show. Although I don't think that he subscribes to the Patreon, or if he does, he uses like a fucking fake name. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Billy Everyman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The devil from Earth. (laughs) (laughs) The devil from Heaven. Okay. Well, now that we've fully caught up on random... That's just so where guys, he's been. Random origins. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, he's just flying. It's a, a skin you can get in the Dark Knight, where he's just flying around as random. <laughs> he can see through walls. <laughs> yeah, he goes into detective mode, dude. You can see like uh, PC people. There's one thing we for sure know, and that is that he is very similar to Batman, and that's why we have to keep bringing it up. <laughs> I think he's yeah, he's like anti PC Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a long trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All I right. draw a line somewhere, and it's silencing white men. We can't. <laughs> they have as much a right to speak as anyone else. Moving on a little bit, uh, I'm going to continue a segment that I started a couple ex- episodes back called y- <laughs> Yang Thoughts. Um, Andrew Yang is running for president, and he is really bad at Twitter. And, uh,. You read things he says, and you think, this man cannot be the president. No um, way will this man give me $1,000. He... No way. <laughs> he was watching um, the NBA Finals the other night, and uh, I guess he, in the middle of the game, just tweeted, like, there's going to be a big party in Toronto tonight, and then Toronto lost. He could delete the tweet. You could, like... Ugh. That's, like, so... That's such bad optics for, like, I'm a person who's able to predict things, and I was running for president. Somebody fucking tweeted back, and they're like, you owe everyone in Canada $1,000 tonight. <laughs> um, he also just randomly <laughs> tweeted the other day, Miley Cyrus is underrated. Fucking three days ago, dude, you're running for fucking what? president. I Why? hope he wins. I hope he wins. <laughs> I mean... It's what we deserve. <laughs> we deserve to be punished. Did she say something bad about him? Fucking just out of the blue. I mean, that is a Trump, Trump move, but only if no, no, she's, no. like, dissed him. He said underrated. Oh, under... Oh, okay. No, yeah. It yeah. wasn't like a Miley, Miley fucking <laughs> dancing Cyrus. Uh, <laughs> dancing Miley Cyrus yeah. <laughs> doesn't go back to the tractor anymore. She's forgotten her roots. Very ungrateful. <laughs> does, that, does nobody else want to see the Yang-Trump debates? You know what Just I Just one-on-one. Oh, man, that would fucking rule. <laughs> I, what I want to see is if he wins, then like a, a bunch of Trump- white... 
like impressionist comedians have to do like a really offensive accent for he doesn't have doesn't an accent have, yeah but you know who would have an accent is donald trump debating andrew yang <laughs> immediately he's gonna say some yeah <laughs> that's why we need to make this happen <laughs> what, is this, what is this guy like chinese or something <laughs> yeah his last name rhymes with bang. We can't have a president rhymes with that bang. rhymes with bang. Like the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, his strategy right now is he wants to get on the first debate, and he's really, really hoping that he can be, uh, his podium will be put next to Biden's. Because he, he, and he put this. So he, at, can, he can touch him. It, may, well, he's going to be touched uh, if he wants it or not. But he will. <laughs> he's predicting that people will Google, and he, is, he thinks he has eight percent odds at standing next to Biden. In which case, people will Google who is the Asian man <laughs> next to Joe Biden, and that's going to be his rise to power. Is people are going to like da, get hooked na, on Yang? Na, na. I saw that. And it's stop funny. thinking about that Asian he, man next to Biden, <laughs> just because he was next to him. Yeah, he's like crunching the numbers on whether he'll be able to stand next to Biden, like it's like a gambling addict or something, and uh, <laughs> and then yeah, he's just counting on racism. To make him president? He... Alright, what the fuck actually happened in the news this week? What the fuck's up, what the fuckers? Andrews, take us to school. Uh, well, speaking of schools, there's... Yeah, we need more songs, first of all. We need a Yang, uh, a Yang news song, <laughs> and we need an Anders breakdown song, <laughs> and we need... We already have a random song. It's the only one we have. I can make it happen. I bought some gear this week. Yeah. We'll yeah, get a dude. little, like, bam, 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 Anders <laughs> fucking blows your mind, bitch. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, we got an interview coming up later with uh, Shahed Buttar, who I, I'm sure will appreciate being sharing um, an episode <laughs> with Random. Um, they're, they're making a split album, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, he did rap. That's right. When I didn't get to talk to him about this, but uh, our guest later, who is challenging Nancy Pelosi for, for, the, uh, for Congress from the left, um, was a rapper back in the day, and he has some some pretty choice tunes you can look up on YouTube. Um, but <laughs> this week, yeah, we're 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 just talking about Biden, who um, it there's all these revelations coming out, or just like stuff that's been on the record, just it's being dug up because he's running for president. We got the the uh, did you see the thing about the he drops an, an n-bomb back in 1973 i did not, not. the big n-bomb but the one the other one that i also shouldn't say was it the one that was the appropriate term in 1973 yeah i mean it was huh? i wasn't around back then he said um, <laughs> don't, don't say it is that it was a soft a is that what it was? No, no, no 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 it was <laughs> no <laughs> there was never a point in time where that was the polite thing to call somebody <laughs> let's just say i just imagine him like you know you know when those like substitute teachers get in trouble and they're like what they said it i could say it yeah. like yeah in one of those situations <laughs> it let's say it uh let's just say it rhymes with regrow you wow. know that one yeah, all right that's just what people he, said in 1973 <laughs> yeah I, I think that was a little late for that i think it was more 50s 60s oh, okay. and then it started with afro-american for a while that was a thing i'm okay. here to learn um, but Biden, <laughs> Biden said uh, that the two-party system is great for the, um, you know, word. And um, I don't know what he's trying, what point he's trying to make there. But basically, I mean, this is like... New moon. 
What if Bill Maher just starts saying Negro? Because like, it's like, we can say this again now. I mean, it's a Comedy Central show like, now. I'm sure he's said that a million times. Yeah, but it's not. He has no rules. One. He's a truth teller. <laughs> he has no rules, and yet so many rules. <laughs> it's the duality that keeps us watching. Yeah. But this is a pattern. So, like, he, you know, this is back then. And I don't know what point he was trying to make that, like, that's that, why would that possibly good be good for, for black people having, you know, a two party system? Like, you're getting less representation in this, like, Isn't he just duopoly. Defending the powers that be, which is, like, his go to move. Because yeah. this is around the same time as, you know, the busing movement stuff. Right. Which, which I was, was researching for a different episode on the way here. It's 1973 is the big you know, uh, uh, fire for that. And so I'm sure Biden, <laughs> Biden had a lot of, uh, great quotes back then. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of interest, you know, he, he talks down to black people pretty consistently. Like that's been a thing he does very tall. Uh, a lot. Although he, he says he was involved in the civil rights movement. But someone looked this yeah, up. He was holding the dogs. Yeah. He was, he, he's against it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Technically involved. Yeah. I mean, he was. He was That's so funny. To just take the technicality on that and just like, just tell him I was there. Well, it's even, <laughs> it, it's even worse than that. He, he counts his involvement as working at a lifeguard at a swimming pool that had a lot of black people. <laughs> That's so fucking racist. Uh, <laughs> in a way, all lifeguards are civil rights. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so in 1986, though, he's given a speech, and this is between... We've covered the, uh, the Rainbow Coalition on the show. Check out the bonus if you want to hear a deep dive into that. But... Um, in 1986, he's given a speech at the NAACP convention in Baltimore, and he goes out of his way to attack Jesse Jackson. And this is between Jackson's two campaigns in the 80s. And Biden says, we must reject the voices in my party who say, and you've heard it time and again, much progress has been made. And now, now we must wait for the Reagan run revolution to run its course. But just as I and any, many other white leaders reject the voices of those of those who are calling for caution, you must reject the voices in this movement who tell black Americans to go it alone, who tell you you can't, that coalitions don't work anymore, that whites and Catholics and Jews no longer care about the problems of black America and that black should only represent black, which you're missing uh, a pretty big part of that era, which is that Jesse Jackson was the head of the Rainbow Coalition. Like, right. this is literally something that's supposed to bring different races together and um, fight inequality. Um, but then he sort of, like, contradicts himself. If you're drunk enough, the colors run together. <laughs> yeah. From a hard scrabble family from Scranton, PA. <laughs> But he says later... My Biden impression. This <laughs> is like a salty Pepperidge farm remembers to shut their damn mouth. <laughs> Yo. Sorry. I'm so worked up about uh, 80s Biden that I'm bumping the table. And just kick the table. Um, <laughs> and he, said, he says... Uh, but you can't, you can't go out and say this is class warfare. You can't pit the Rainbow Coalition. He finally acknowledges that's a thing. Uh, you can't pit that blacks, Hispanics, poor whites, gays against the middle class. Like, first of all, a lot of those groups, the ethnic ones and the 
sexual ones are part of the middle class. Uh, second of all, yeah, you can. Like, I mean, but yeah, don't pit them against the middle class. Put them against the, the upper class. You need class warfare. Like, that's, and that's a, a decisive um, move by the Democratic Party at that time. Uh, which is to instead of trying to do what Jesse Jackson was going for and uniting all these groups and and um, trying to wrestle power from the hands of Reagan and the right, uh, they they bought in. They tried to become a, a Republican light party because that was the pragmatic approach. And of course, like you know, we saw. I mean, not only did that does that not go well in the 21st century, uh, Mondale lost by a landslide. Dukakis lost. Uh, by a pretty big margin as well. Like, this is not good politics, um, you know, pr- pragmatically or for getting the things that you ostensibly want done. Um, a lot of folks wonder how our cookies have stayed so good over the years. <laughs> our answer? My best friend is Barack Obama. <laughs> Can we actually play a clip? Do, do that from- voice when he's saying the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> well, boop. <laughs> Can we actually play a clip from Biden in the 80s? This is a, a very As a funny. lifeguard, yeah, which one? shut the fuck up. If uh, Look up Biden 1988. There's this, I swear to God he's on coke in this YouTube video. He's just like... Um, flipping a shit at a reporter. You gotta uh, try a new. It's this one, the road cookies. to the White House one. Press that shit. <laughs> what law school did you attend? <laughs> it's like Kevin from you the office. Up. And the other question oh, is, could you quickly? I, I think we. I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do. I suspect. <laughs> I went Owned. to law school on a full academic scholarship. The only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Owned. The first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. The fuck I was is that? the outstanding student in the political science department at the moot end of the year. Court? I three degrees. <laughs> moot court? Moot court? I think it's like a fake credits, trial thing. Credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. If I can say one thing, this is yeah, I think just in my own opinion, I'm not. He's doing a lot of lick lipping, lip lip licking. We have elected to office. This guy's—he's he, not even asking. He's like, I'm not even trying to be mean, but. Well, I think you're right, Frank. You, but you know what I find kind of interesting? It seems to me everybody just on blow in the, in the 80s all the time. Seems to me oh, you yeah, all dude. become heartless technocrats. It seems to me that you forget True. that what happens is we you gotta, never you gotta save those party, drowning people somehow. <laughs> as a party, move this nation by 14-point position papers and nine-point programs. It seems to me that when we got involved in the civil rights movement, Frank, nobody asked Martin Luther King what his legislative agenda was. He marched to change attitudes. When it's the bald. women's movement started, he did not <laughs> yeah, this is before I got the plugs. Amendment. He has fake hair. He does. Attitudes. And this party better understand full well that it's about time we change our attitude and we begin to change the attitudes of Americans about what their responsibilities are to the poor, about what their responsibilities are to other people, and about what our responsibility in the world is. And that requires changing attitudes. But, Frank, I promise you, you'll see my 15-point plans and 19-point position papers, and you'll be able to make a judgment when Gary Hart and I stand there. Who knows more about foreign policy, Gary or me? As a lifeguard, you it's your responsibility to save everyone in the pool. It doesn't matter the color of their skin, although you're going to want to leave them in there. You can't. Frank, 
Okay. This country needs a leader. He's bald here. <laughs> he has hair now. Yeah. Here's the thing about Biden. He thinks that we don't remember shit. Yeah. He thinks that no one will go back and look at anything ever. What? He's going off on random shit there. Yeah, it's just like he's making a good point. It's like, keep it simple, stupid. Get, get, you know, you got to have hot. You got to, like, have a good. Uh, a platform that's you know mobilizes people, moves people, but uh, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than just like words that just don't mean anything. Like, give us a couple policies, uh, like Jackson did. Give us some things you want to do. You don't have to get too down in the weeds with him. But um, I guess the Biden stuff really just doesn't interest me that much because his whole his whole track record is that he's a uh, spineless, slithering politician who will change face to adopt pretty much whatever the Democratic machine wants and has for 50 years. And then nothing changes with that. It's just whether or not he has hair. <laughs> There's no good or evil. It's Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, speaking of change in face, uh, this week... There was a gathering of the Democratic Party's uh, the the uh, chiefs of staff for the for Congress, and they um, they had a a thing called this is like a conference sort of thing entitled "How to Engage Downtown." That was right. the name of it. Conolingus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which downtown? We're teaching Washington suits how to slurp the glurp. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, and I visited the city of D.C. many of times, and uh, I didn't know this. Downtown is referenced. That's what they call K Street, uh, which is like the you know the lobby shop. Um, so they have this like sort of retreat type thing where they they show people how to relate to lobbyists, how to get along with the quote unquote downtown community, um, and you know they have the. Jonathan Smith, who's a Uber lobbyist and was a chief of staff to Virgil Miller. Is, uh, is everyone wearing like zoot suits and crazy hats in the downtown community? <laughs> well, <laughs> just a funky place to be. Judging from downtown. the name of one of these lobbying firms, Aiken Gump, uh, <laughs> I would be not surprised if there were some zoot suits rolling around there. Um, if you want to make it on Funky Street, you got to know how to jive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But the, yeah, they're just they're te they're literally teaching you how to socialize with lobbyists. And there's nothing about um Medicare for all, nothing about any like the policies they want to pass. It's just uh it says Oh wait, you know what? What's great about that picture, the the uh schedule for the evening, you know, telling everybody to go to Um it doesn't intercept article I yeah. saw it before, but the the one listed below the uh, do 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 oh yep it's right here okay so underneath fuck me dude hold on I clicked something oh here we go uh, happy hour with G Triple C partners and allies yeah what's the one under to that? the gay community it's like how to speed date with your colleagues yeah, speed dating <laughs> what does it say what's the what's the exact title I don't know the full thing but uh, it's it the ugly mug is one of the names of the bars up here speed dating with your colleagues at two thirty. These are the two priorities. It's like how to retire by leeching yourself onto the American political system and finding love from another one of these snakes you hate. <laughs> snakes? <laughs> snakes. They're words. Not really. Uh, 
And then in italics at the bottom, enjoy the terrace before the next breakout session. Free terrace, I have to go. Yeah. This is, yeah, so this is like, there's no way to win with these people. Like, we have to, like, and this is, you know, what we're going to get to later in the episode. They got to be taken out. We have, like, people are saying. What does that mean? <laughs> we, I, no, the random, like put down the musket, random. Uh, <laughs> the musket. It's got a turn of the century. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm saying like in the like people are talking about primaries and uh, right now there's there's one against uh, Lipinski's pro-life Democrat in Pennsylvania, Henry Quaylar in uh, Texas, very conservative Democrat. That's good. I support that. But what we really need to do or nothing will change is we have to take out the Steny Hoyers of the world. We have to take out the Chuck Schumers, the Seth Moltons, the Nancy Pelosi's. Electorally. 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 Yes. (laughs) Um, Anders is advocating to outvote these people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is doable. Um, no one should do karate to Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> no one on the show thinks that. You can't beat her anyway. Yeah, she kicks ass. She's a, she's a badass. You know, she's a she's an enforcer. She was called an enforcer. When um, she uh, by when who she did that. by by the, that's how Ryan Grimm described her as uh, for the even Ryan Grimm couldn't beat her up. <laughs> Our she, strongest journal. She did the sideways clap. She was actually summoning a Hadouken. <laughs> <laughs> but Trump's yeah. aura was too You're strong. Fucking it up. <laughs> um, but now there's a thing where the DCCC is um, cutting off their blacklisting firms that work with. Uh, primary challengers. So even if it's Lipinski, who is pro-life, if you challenge him uh, from the left, you will be on a on a list, and you're not going to get any help from. You're the, cut off from funding. That, from yeah. The, uh, Democratic um, establishment. Yeah, which is like, oh, that, that uh, you know, at first I was like, oh, that sucks. That's you know, a big step back. But this makes things clear. This like clarifies the situation because we can tell if you want to get anything done as a progressive in Washington, you have um, to form a guerrilla union. <laughs> yeah, you need a <laughs> separate organization. Yeah, you need a se- you need to like take on. You have to like explicitly take on the DCCC. Like, that's the only way this is going to happen. And thankfully, uh, there is a school that's happening, sort of an online uh, program where they're just making a bunch of... They're trying to raise and uh, procure the next generation of AOCs. It's called uh, Movement School, and you, like, learn about... You learn to dance. You <laughs> <laughs> Professor Xavier's School for Woke Bays. <laughs> yes. Um... But yeah, I think that's pretty exciting because like this uh, obviously So what do you learn there? You learn it you learn like the nuts and bolts of fundraising and like how to budget a campaign, how to um like ca- how to actually run the campaign because I mean it, like the kind of the the pretty well-kept secret in Washington. It's so well kept like, you know, I know Joe Biden is a lifeguard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a not so well kept secret, I meant to say, uh, is that a lot of these consultants don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're, and that's how AOC won, because Crowley was like paying for these clunky ass mailers. He was buying TV. Uh, mm. And instead, AOC came along and she's like, uh, how about we knock on doors and like try to get people through social media and like talk, you know, like use the actual networks in the in this community uh, that we're trying to reach people with. Um, and that was more effective. This is that's a more effective way to run a campaign. And that's how we win. That's how we got to do it. And uh, this guy I'm talking to um, in a couple minutes, he ran in 2018. 
But because California has their messed up ass uh, jungle primary, um, you don't. Uh, you can. They just get the top two to go on the general election. So you can have two Democrats facing each other, which is what happened with the Senate race in California. Uh, but this guy came very, very, very close to making it into the top two, the general election, back in uh, 2018. So I think he could actually do it this year, especially because if he like consolidates his support among progressives, he gets in there, then Pelosi's actually going to have to face a progressive, only a progressive, in the general election. Right. Her one weakness. Yeah. As an enforcer. Right. <laughs> Question is... Uh, I just imagine Nancy Pelosi like takes her shirt off and it's just like rippling abs. <laughs> <laughs> She's a sub-zero from yeah. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see because I didn't get to ask him this, but like San Francisco is kind of... I, I haven't been there in a while, but like it seems like it's not as progressive as it used to be. It's like a lot of tech people, so maybe sh- that's actually her constituency, and they want her and they like her, um, and she could win. But I don't know. And <laughs> if I think it's a new terrible exciting. town. Yeah. All right. So listen up next for this great interview. Yeah. Let's uh, swing into that interview, and that'll be. Uh... It's random. Thank you uh, for joining us, Butar. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so I got to start with a, 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 an annoying question, but it's one I asked to all of the candidates we've we've interviewed on the show so far. Why are you running for office? I'm running for office particularly because I've found the concerns that I and other advocates have spent our careers uh, promoting. I'm particularly uh, concerned about mass surveillance and have spent the better part of a decade fighting that. I've found our concerns to fall on deaf ears of the people that we elect to check and balance the executive branch, of the people that we elect to conduct oversight of federal agencies, of the people that we elect to uh, promote a legislative vision to address the needs of the American people. And between a UN climate science report that gives humanity a uh, urgent mandate to act boldly to address the climate crisis, to the crisis in healthcare that leaves so many Americans homeless due to their medical bills, uh, I, I see an urgent need to defend our communities, and I'm running for office to, to, to try to do a better job of that than the corporate Democratic leadership has seen fit to do. Right. You mentioned the leadership. You are, of course, challenging House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, who uh, represents district out there in, in San Francisco. So we're going to talk a little bit. Excuse me. Speaker of the House. That's a good thing to know. This is We're recording this in 2019, but you uh, also ran for office in 2018, also against uh, Congresswoman Pelosi. Um, but you, you came up short in the, in the primary, but uh, California has a bit of an idiosyncratic sort of uh, jungle top two primary. Um, can you explain to our listeners a little bit how, about how that works and how it uh, somehow can, can give you some advantage in uh, at least bringing a, a more progressive message to the fore and challenge being able to maybe take her on one-on-one in, in the 2020 election, general election? Sure. A lot of people think of primary elections as each political party having their own separate election, and then the winners of those respective elections in the primary phase then going on to the general to confront each other. In California, we use a jungle primary system, meaning that all the different parties and all of their different candidates, we run in a single primary against each other, and the top two are automatically chosen for a runoff, and that's the general election, which is to say 
two Democrats can emerge from the primary to then be in the general election. Since our uh, state legislature adopted that mechanism for our congressional elections here, there has not been a scenario in our district where two Democrats have faced off in November. In 2016, an independent who endorsed me uh, in the 2018 race, his name is Preston Pickus, he challenged Nancy Pelosi in the general election. In uh, 2018, it was a Republican, Lisa Remmer, who made it to the general. She didn't mount a visible campaign, and she ultimately uh, took second place because uh, while I was the leading vote-getter among a series of progressive candidates, uh, there were a total of uh, five of them, five of us, and uh, that carved up the progressive uh, field pretty dramatically. I did beat the nearest one to me by 50%, uh, but I was still edged by a thousand votes by the Republican. After, I should note, only three months in the race, and uh, over the between now and the November, pardon me, the March 2020 primary, we still have nine months, and we launched with 11 months. So I have plenty, uh, a great deal uh, more, I should say, runway than I did in the last cycle. In 2018, we won uh, more votes than anyone challenging Pelosi in a primary from the left in a decade. Uh, we won as many votes as a uh, uh, prolific young uh, member of Congress from the Bronx, by whom I'm very inspired and uh, who I hope to join in the chamber after the general election in November 2020. Yes, we've heard of her. Uh, yeah, AOC, as I assume you're talking about. Um, so do you think the odds are increased quite a bit this time for you to actually beat out the, the Republican in the, the first primary and actually um, go head to head with Pelosi? I have a great deal of confidence that we'll win the primary or take second place to Pelosi uh, in the primary and win the opportunity to be in the general, if only because, again, I, I ran with three months in the race in the last cycle. We won 17,500 votes. We only came 1,000 votes short. I should note here also, we hit our win number. We hit the number that, uh, in fact, we padded the win number from 2016. So we got more votes, again, challenging Pelosi from the left than anyone in a decade. Uh, and with that happening in three months, in the face of a divided field that I tried to consolidate within those three months, and now being the leading progressive challenger to Pelosi to be also the first one in the field to file, uh, you know, I, I don't expect any other campaigns to, uh, from from the left at least, to garner a substantial portion of the primary vote. And have you been able to sort of consult the other people who are interested in doing that? Maybe some of the candidates from from 2018 and say, look, um, we're just going to split the progressive vote. Have have you, how successful have you been in getting people to coalesce around your campaign from the left? The grassroots base is coalescing around our uh, campaign on the left. I can't speak for the other candidates. I mean, I know that uh, at least one of them uh, is, um, I don't want to punch down or say, I, yeah, my mother told me if you have not a lot of nice things to say, maybe uh, don't say them. So <laughs> I, I'm not so inclined to speak about those folks, but I'm inclined to promote the movement uh, and, and put the movement's interests before my own, which is why I'm in this race. Uh, it's why I filed in 2018, and I think it's why the local uh, Democratic progressive voters chose me to be the leading progressive challenger to the speaker. Well, while respecting your you're not, to, you're not speaking ill rule, uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the person you are um, challenging, your, your member of Congress, Nancy Pelosi. What has her, her legacy been in terms of both uh, the, the National Democratic Party and the leadership there, as well as uh, the California Democratic Party? For better or worse, Nancy Pelosi's had a long and storied career, and she has, to her credit, advanced a great many progressive interests. She has also... Uh, 
decided not to show up for a great many of them. And in the current time slice, under the criminal administration of Donald Trump, uh, for better or worse, and this is, I, I dare say, for worse, the speaker has chosen to embolden and enable our criminal president rather than mount meaningful actual uh, resistance to his administration. And I can demonstrate this in a couple different ways, the most obvious of which is impeachment. I think that it is a constitutional imperative that we hold the executive branch accountable uh, for its crimes against the American people. Um, that hasn't happened yet, and I think that that in itself is uh, a reason for the 12th Congressional District to, uh, to, to choose a new voice. Moreover, <clears throat> the area for me that I think is most revealing here is Speaker Pelosi's longstanding and continuing support for the military-industrial complex whose architect warned us in very prolific and, uh, you know, in, in no uncertain terms to fear its impact not only in terms of wars abroad, but also undermining our democracy and rights here at home. Uh, I've spent a lot of my, uh, most of my career fighting the mass surveillance state that under the administration of President Obama became a bipartisan phenomenon. And it is sad to me that Speaker Pelosi feels the need to carry the Bush administration's water uh, because the Obama administration held the glass for a while. Uh, but defending the Bill of Rights against the military-industrial complex is uh, something to which I've long been committed and will remain committed. Uh, having a seat in Congress and the opportunity particularly to pose questions in oversight hearings will put me in a better position to effectuate that resistance that I've long been waging in the courts, in the media, in the streets, and in the nonprofit sphere. Um, another area where I'd say Speaker Pelosi has been unfortunately disappointing, <clears throat> particularly I'd say is with respect to the PAYGO rules. So she, because she was, is the Speaker, she had the opportunity to impose unilaterally a set of fiscal austerity rules that were demanded by the Republican Party uh, for decades and were frankly the object of a great deal of partisan debate throughout the 90s. When the Democratic Speaker of the House imposes Republican rules that prevent progressives from, for instance, spending into the federal deficit to meet the needs of the American people to, uh, for instance, uh, fund, whether it's food stamps or affordable housing block grants or, God forbid, Medicare for all, Speaker Pelosi ensured that uh, the military industrial complex would have discriminatorily favorable access to the federal treasury and that attempts to meet the needs of the American people would be required to offset any new proposals with tax increases or spending cuts in other areas. And that's a, a perfect example where I'd say the leadership of the Democratic Party has been incredibly effective in advancing Republican interests. Now, she, she would say that, you know, look, uh, uh, I, got into, uh, I got into politics to, to fight for the same values you stand for. We got a, this, this right-wing country and we just have to, to sort of appease uh, the Republican base or, or we're going to be voted out of office. Do you think there's any credibility to that? Uh, I mean, she's obviously not running in a, very, in a swing district, but uh, as, a national, as a national leader of the Democratic Party, um, she says that the best strategy is to attack to the center. Do you think there's anything to that or is she sort of overlearning, um, overcorrecting on the, the lessons of, of Reagan? I'm not sure about overcorrecting necessarily, but I will say she's wrong. Uh, and I think corporate centrists generally are wrong. And, I, and I'll explain why. There is a view among centrists that politics are a static phenomenon. And they presume that perspectives are arrayed along a bell curve and they construct this vision of left versus right 
in which uh, their liberal ideals, which I would say are somewhat resignatory in the first instance, are the left edge, and uh, I suppose corporate fascism is, is the right edge. And they want to aim for the middle where they think the votes are, and so they try to contrive positions to meet the bubble in the, uh, 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 the graph. And I would say that this, that is a confused perspective for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is uh, it's an artificial spectrum. More importantly, the American people aren't in the middle of some artificially constructed graph. The American people are in crisis. They can't get doctors. They can't get medicine. Everybody's parents get sick. Anytime anyone gets sick in someone's family, they will ultimately likely get threatened with bankruptcy or homelessness. The American people don't have job security. The degree of precariousness that reaches across the middle class is uh, unprecedented and I dare say alarming. And in the context of that crisis, what will be compelling at the polls is not a mealy-mouthed concession to corporate rule, but rather bold alternatives that meet the needs of working Americans, their families, and the future where they are at. Uh, bold proposals like, for instance, Medicare for All to ensure that our tax dollars enable housing to be treated like a human right rather than a commodity. Bold proposals like the Green New Deal to put a generation to work, uh, doing the hard work in labor-intensive projects <clears throat> to ameliorate the impacts of climate chaos. Uh, these are uh, a whole litany of ways in which we need bold alternatives and the centrists who defer to corporate rule, who think that a bolder uh, program won't sell in some parts of the country, uh, I think they're confused, frankly. Uh, and, and, that's, and I think their inability to consider a uh, bolder approach is, uh, is one reason why uh, we need, frankly, to replace those voices with some new ones. Right. I think you're certainly right. And uh, something to watch out for in 2020 is if we do elect a another Democratic House and then potentially Democratic Senate, uh, a lot of these ideas are not going to happen as long as we have this this leadership that's still um, tied to corporate money. Uh, but if I could leave you with with just a uh, question about your ideology, how you see the world, uh, do you identify how strongly do you take the label as of as a member of the Democratic Party, do you, do you identify as a Democrat and so far as to identify as, as a socialist as some of your uh, compatriots have? Yeah, I, I identify as a Democratic Socialist and I want to unpack that. <clears throat> the Most people focus on the socialism aspect of Democratic Socialism and it's important. It is reflected, for instance, in some of those um, paradigm shifting policies that I mentioned before, Medicare for all, you know, establishing health care and shelter and food as human rights. Uh, those are parts of the socialist project to which I'm very deeply committed. Uh, I am also concerned, however, with the first part of uh, the equation, the democratic socialism means that I also am very committed, for instance, to voting rights. I'm very committed to uh, civil liberties and the opportunities for dissent. I'm very committed to uh, transparency and oversight of executive agencies. And I'm very committed to civil rights adequately enforced by the courts. And along all four of those dimensions, what remains of our democracy is crumbling. Our voting rights have eroded dramatically. Access to the polls is increasingly challenging, particularly for uh, low-income uh, black and brown communities in politically contested states. Uh, in the counter-majoritarian leg of the democratic stool involves the courts and the judiciary's capacity to meaningfully defend civil rights and civil liberties. That also has eroded dramatically. In a third dimension, the metastasis of domestic surveillance uh, and, and not just by the government, but also by particularly employers, is an uh, incredibly pernicious threat to dissent that could kill democracy at its root. 
uh, I fear, has already done a great deal of damage in that regard. And then finally, the mounting executive secrecy and insulation from transparency and oversight threaten our democracy from a fourth angle. And so as a democratic socialist, I both want to advance the legislative vision to better meet the needs of the American people. I'm also just as concerned, particularly as an immigrant, in just defending the republic from itself, uh, seeing our criminal president uh, enrich himself in office, uh, make a mockery of process, uh, basically give Congress the middle finger at every opportunity, and watching a supine Congress accept it preposterously. Uh, those are among the things that drove me to run. You know, I'm a longtime advocate. I've spent 20 years building the progressive community from uh, filing the first case seeking marriage equality for same-sex couples, same-sex couples in the state of New York in 2004, long before most Democrats showed up for LGBT uh, couples. In fact, I'd say almost a full decade before the Speaker of the House showed up to support the rights of her constituents, um, to when I was uh, uh, doing everything from public art projects to direct action activism to policy advocacy, supporting the peace and justice movement to try to stop wars for profit abroad. Uh, in each of these contexts, I've seen our uh, movement grow uh, and flex over the last generation. I'm eager to see us finally gain some representation in Washington. I see just across the Bay, here in the Bay Area, Representative Barbara Lee very effectively advocating uh, for the rights of her constituents. I look down the Bay and I see Representative Ro Khanna doing the same in San Jose. I think it is silly and unacceptable that the most conservative member of the Bay Area's congressional delegation represents the most progressive city in the country. And I aim to end that in November 2020. Well, we wish you luck and thank you for joining us. How can people find out more about the campaign and uh, find out where to give you money? Appreciate that. Folks can visit us online at www.shawhidforchange.us. You can also visit us on any of the Major social media platforms at Shahid for Change. That's S H A H I D, like David, F O R C H A N G E. <clears throat> uh, you can uh, make a campaign contribution. You can sign up to volunteer. We uh, are a grassroots campaign that is driven very much by the efforts of the dozens of volunteers that we recruited in the last cycle, plus the dozens more who we, we've recruited in this cycle since we launched in early April. Uh, we've got nearly daily mobilizations and several each day on the weekends. We invite any of your listeners who are uh, concerned about the corporate co-optation of the Democratic Party to help us liberate the 12th Congressional District seat here in San Francisco. All right. Well, thank you again. Have a great, great day. Right on. Thank you, brother. Wow. What an interview. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yes, I was given the wrong Skype name for this guy. So apologies on not getting a longer, you know, I had a limited amount of time as a busy man. Thank you for your service. Yes. Uh, Check out all the things he said to Any, do. Anyone that listened to the Mike Gravel episode is not worried about us doing too long of an interview. <laughs> <laughs> or not long enough of an interview. I mean, that dude fucking went off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, would, I will say this is probably of the candidates I have interviewed in my short life. This is the most message disciplined one by far. Um, Shout out to him. I hope you win. <laughs> but you can find me at Anders Lee here on Twitter. And if you are in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, because you didn't know where that was, uh, come please to uh, my show Dummy. I'm going to be doing that on Monday, June 17th at Tattooed Mom. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Great show. And it's free. It's uh, pay what you want. Um, hope to see some fans of, of Pod Dam out there. Some of the damn fam. And, Anders out.
Andrew's out. Alex in. Come see my weekly show if you live in Brooklyn. Sundays at 7 at Cherry Tree Bar. It's bad news. It's a comedy show. And then follow me on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Uh, it, it's Jake here. Andrew's Jake here. Andrew's Jake here. <laughs> Rand, it's Rand. New Jake. Moon. I'm Jake. New Jake. I. It's uh. Check out my bi-weekly show, first and third Tuesday of the month. Uh, next one is on the 18th. Coming up here at El Cortez in Bushwick. It's called Yoko. I run it with Claro Kane and Infidance. We got Anna Saragina, Solomon Giorgio, Jane Harrison, Joe Castle Baker, and Amy Zimmer. Great fucking comics. I'm really excited to see some of these people. Some of them are in from out of town. I am also going on fucking tour a bunch. Um, so if you are on the West Coast or in the middle of the country or on the East Coast, I think I'm going to do a big weird fucking Stussy S across the country. Um, <laughs> so in September, I'll be in uh, fucking uh, the West Coast. Before, actually, fuck, before that, I'll, uh, I'll be at the Colfax Comedy Festival and I'll be doing shows all over town in Denver in uh, on the weekend of like July 14th. Um, you know, Twitter, website, all that shit. Um, Most important plug of all, Max Ogle came up with New Moon, and he, he wants five dollars for it. Did he come up with that? Do you think that's? A, I don't remember him coming up with it, but he's he pretty insistent. What's your Venmo, Max? You want five dollars for saying New Moon? He just stuck a fork in our bit. That's worth what's five dollars to you. Max yeah. If anyone liked the New Moon bit, at <laughs> at Max underscore Ogle on the Venmo app. Okay. $5. Actually, I, sorry, I have one more uh, thing to plug. Um, Random is no longer our mascot. Our new mascot is this rat that I'm reading about right now. Uh, rat broke into an ATM and ate $18,000 worth of cash and then died. Whoa. That's Antifa. That shit rules. <laughs> Antifa rat. <laughs> All right. New rat. Bye. Uh, it's finished. It's finished.
Should be.